reading from the 18th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with the 21st verse. Then Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seventy times, seven times, I tell you, but seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger... His Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will do also to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is obviously one of those texts that's known for giving people warm, fuzzy feelings, isn't it? If you don't forgive your neighbor, forgive others. If you don't forgive your brother and sister for what they have against you, Jesus said, oops, we didn't want to hear the rest of that. We just prayed it. As we forgive those who trespass against us. Hard words. Hard words. Y'all know what swimming pools are, right? Everybody been in one, seen one? One of my favorite commercials, it shows a swimming pool. It shows how inviting the water is. And I'm telling you, it's crystal clear. And it's got that wonderful little thing going on where the water reflects white off the top of the blue water because the liner is blue. And it's just gorgeously. You just want to jump in that thing. Because this commercial aired at the end of July. And around here, we like a swimming pool in July. All these people are standing around that swimming pool, staring into the water like this. Dozens of them. 
maybe 30. They all, some of them got snorkels on and swim fins, got their little goggles all in position. They're ready to get it, but they just can't quite get in. And you can see them all standing around, everybody looking in the water, some people peeking over other shoulders, looking in the water. And then on the surface of the water comes the logo for Shark Week. Shark Week is the most blessed week of TV all year. Even people who love Discovery Channel will tell you that Shark Week is the best Discovery has to offer. But apparently, it makes us think twice about water, doesn't it? It makes us think twice about water. Now, my first thought when they were all standing around that pool looking in is they just don't want to get wet. Have you ever felt like that? You really would like to put on your bathing suit and jump in the water. You just don't want to have to deal with everything that comes after. My hair gets flat in the pool. I know some of you ladies have trouble with that too. And it gets all curly and frizzy, and then I don't look like I looked before I jump in. And I just don't want to deal with that sometimes. don't want to get wet. But one thing that's going to happen, if you jump in a pool, what's going to happen? You're going to get what? Wet. It's going to happen. There's no way around it. My nephew, who I love dearly, let us dare him into jumping in the pool in January. Not a good idea. You could tell from his shrieks when he hit the water that it was cold. And you could tell when he got out that that cold water was still on the surface of his skin. But we all know that the only way to get into a pool in February is to jump, right? There's no walking into that thing. You jump. I think... That's one of the greatest illustrations for us of what it looks like to get into God's mercy. Getting into God's mercy does not look like waiting attentively. It looks like jumping in with the intent to be there. This slave's issue is that he could not enter in fully into his, his master's mercy. He wanted it for himself, but he didn't want it to mean anything for anybody else. He wanted his master to forgive his amazing debt. His debt was 60 million denarii, 60 million days of wages. More than there was money in the world at the time to pay the debt he owed. And the point of the parable seems to be that each of us owes that to a master. One we know is the God of Israel the Creator of heaven and earth, one we know as our Creator, our Maker, the One who formed us from the dust and breathed into us the breath of life. We owe a debt to that One because of our own sin. A debt that we can't pay. A debt that we're hopelessly unable to do anything about. And for us, right before us, is the gilding promise of relief. The same way that we might stand around a swimming pool and see that water is the promise of instant relief from the 101 degree August heat. We know that to get in it means that we'll be wet. To get in it means that we'll have to deal with the aftermath of being in the pool. Likewise, to call upon our Lord, to call upon God for forgiveness means that we will have to deal with the aftermath of being forgiven. Jumping in the water means that we will be wet. 
Coming to the baptismal font means that we will be wet. To enter into God's mercy through baptism means that something will fundamentally change about us. The problem in this story is not that God wants to punish us because we're unable to forgive, but that God is able to forgive us beyond our belief, beyond anything that we could hope for. That there's nothing that we've done that can't be forgiven. There's nothing you have done that can't be washed away by the water of God's amazing grace. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing is so big that it can't fall under that promise that if we confess our sin... He is faithful and right to forgive us and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Shove us under the water till we're clean. The problem is we're going to come out wet. And we're going to have to do something about that. And sometimes we don't want God's forgiveness because we know that that means we got to forgive that old so-and-so that did such and such to us. Right? We know that. We react negatively to that. How dare God make claims on me? How dare Jesus expect me to do something? The good time preachers on the television that make God out to be some kind of cosmic vending machine that only wants for us pleasure and wild and wonderful things beyond our illusions don't want to deal with the fact that God expects us to be forgiving. That God expects us to do the dirty work of getting into the muck with other people and living in their chaos. Unfortunately, what Jesus says is reality. The Christian life is not all peppermints and wonderful garlands. The Christian life can be a hard, hard thing where sometimes we have to forgive people who do unspeakable things to us because because we're so caught up in being forgiven that we can't do anything else. In Peter's second epistle to the church, he promised us that because of Jesus' death or resurrection and our belief and faith in Jesus because of the promises Jesus has made to us, We are inheriting the divine nature of God in us. We are becoming partakers of the divine nature of God. And forgiveness, we know, is part of God's divine nature. A poet once wrote some words. You'll recognize some other things he wrote. He wrote, fools rush in where angels fear to tread. You ever heard that before? He wrote another one. A little learning is a dangerous thing. I heard that one in seminary. I don't know why. His name was Alexander Pope. He wrote one really good, well-thought-of essay called An Essay on Criticism, Part 2, that gave us this gem. You've heard it before. You probably already know what I'm going to say. To err is what? To forgive is what? That's the wetness on us. We know what it is to sin. We know what it is to make an error. We know what it is to need forgiveness. We learn what it is to give it by being forgiven. And Peter tells us plainly that we're receiving the divine nature of God in us. We're being made partakers of it. Which is a way of saying that when we jump into this water that God offers us, we get wet. 
when we enter into God's forgiveness, forgiveness sticks to us. When we enter into God's grace, God's grace sticks to us and becomes how we live. Do you hear that, church? Jesus is not offering us an impossible standard. Jesus is offering us a hint as to what God is going to do in us. When I think about the two kinds of people I could be in response to this, I don't want to be the one who goes out and grabs hold of Phil and shakes Phil's head till he gives me the dollar he owes me. Phil don't really owe me a dollar, but y'all know what I mean. Or to go out and find some other person that's done something wrong to me in my life and feel like I just need to beat them down till they admit that I was right. That's one option. That's one option, Jesus says. And He wants us to ask ourselves, how can we expect God to forgive us if we won't forgive others when everything anybody has ever done to us amounts to nothing compared to our sin against a holy and almighty God? It's a good question, isn't it? The only possible answer in the heart of our hearts is that I don't want to do that. I want to be forgiving, right? Don't you want to be forgiving? then know this. Jumping into the wetness of God's forgiveness means that you will be wet with forgiveness and you will learn how to do it. Right now, this text may hit your feet a little bit. There might be something that you haven't forgiven somebody for. There might be something in your life that you refuse to forgive somebody for. Just know this. God's at work in you over that. You're appointed today to hear Jesus say this. To hear Jesus say, look what I've forgiven you of. Can't you let go of that for them? It's something God is asking us to do. A lot of people at this point slip into that tangent and say, well, if we forgive, it doesn't poison us. If we forgive, it makes this kind of witness, it does this. But the simple truth is that God is asking us to forgive because we've been forgiven. Because it's a right response to what we've received. If we decide today to go out and forgive everyone so that we can be healthier, wealthier, and wiser, we're not accomplishing anything. But if we forgive because we've been forgiving, then we're living as a witness to the goodness of Christ. We're living wet. Living like people who know what it is to jump into the swimming pool of God's forgiveness. Don't receive it as a threat. Receive it as a promise. That as we focus on what God has done for us, God will truly help us do it for others. To forgive them from our heart. And for us and for that other person, that may in fact have eternal consequence. It may in fact mean that they might then be receptive to the thought that God can forgive them. I truly believe that for a lot of people, the reason they can't believe that God would forgive them is because some Christian in their life refuses to forgive them. And that, dear ones, is what's at stake if we choose to be like the slave that choked the other slave. If people believe that we won't forgive them, why should they believe that our God will forgive them? 
We're a people, as Luther said, called to live wet. Called to live in the joy and forgiveness of our baptism. We who have jumped into God's forgiveness know what it means to be forgiven. If we live like people who know what it means to be forgiven, we too will be forgiven people. And Christ will be praised. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.